De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to measure revenue operation success. Joining us is Ray Reich, who is the Chief Evangelism Officer at RevOps Squared, which enables B2B SaaS company executives and investors to make metrics-driven, benchmark-informed decisions using an interactive benchmarking process. The benefits include accelerating efficient revenue growth and increasing enterprise value. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Ray is the host and founder of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. And today, Ray and I are going to discuss RevOps KPIs and performance metrics. Okay, here's my conversation with Ray Reich, the Chief Evangelism Officer at RevOps Squared. Ray, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really look forward to the conversation. Well, let's, uh, I'm looking forward to it too, Ray, and I think we should level set for our guests. So give us the definition of revenue operations. Wow. Well, if you ask every guest, guest that, you're going to have probably 10 different definitions. I think it's one of the challenges because the revenue operations profession and function is just evolving. But here's how we've defined it, done. We believe that revenue operations is an organizational approach to enhance the alignment of marketing, sales, and customer success to the customer journey. And it's very important that we're aligning those internal functions to the customer journey. And as a result, the customer experience in the internal alignment is enhanced by creating that standardized structured approach to data, processes, platforms, and analytics, which will lead to accelerated revenue growth and an enhanced customer experience. Okay. So bottom line, Ray, is that there's a lot of definitions out there. And certainly your definition is, I think, collectively speaking, that definition actually is one I hear a good bit. But we talked about, it's really an umbrella for sales operations, marketing operations. Where do you put CX operations? Is that in there as well, Ray? Yeah, I believe that customer success and customer experience, and that's two different things, right? Customer success is the organization that's typically responsible for the care and feeding and growth of existing customers. So it's driving revenue. So because of that definition, customer success definitely should be part of revenue operations, the ops function. And then customer experience to me is the overarching approach to ensuring that every sales, marketing, and customer success touch point is of high impact and high quality. Okay, great. That helps a lot. So we all have a framework in our mind. So Ray, our subject today is really, what are those metrics we should measure? So what's the number one metric you think about when you're recommending metrics measurements out to your clients and customers? So this is really the reason I launched RevOps Squared, because I believe that the foundational element to gaining alignment across that buyer journey for your internal functions of marketing, sales, and customer success is shared goals. And those 
shared measurable goals, usually objectives and metrics, need to be initially the same as the company level objectives. So for B2B SaaS companies, which is where we primarily work, we look at new and expansion ARR as job one, because committed ARR growth is definitely how investors are measuring the enterprise value of B2B SaaS and cloud companies. So it begins and ends with new and expansion ARR growth, Doug. And then I have six others, but let me know if you want to explore the committed ARR growth or go into the other metrics first. Let's start with new ARR. And I want to spend some time on expansion ARR as well, Ray, because I feel like on the new ARR front, there's tons of measures we all understand. But give me the top kind of two or three you typically recommend people follow. Well, first of all, you're looking at the holistic growth of new name customer ARR. So you're looking, at course, at the growth rate. How much did you grow your committed ARR from new customers this year versus last? And at each stage of um, scale, you're going to have different growth rate expectations from the investor community. However, the other thing you're really looking at is the efficiency of that new ARR growth. And depending on what phase of growth you're in, a couple of the metrics around growth are going to include the customer acquisition cost payback period and the customer acquisition cost ratio. Because you might be growing at 100%, but you're burning way too much cash. But you might be growing at 30% and investors are like, well, if you invested more and burnt more cash, you could grow even faster. So CAC payback period and CAC ratio are critical to how fast you can grow new AR. So, and, and you hit this right out of the gate, right? Which I think is really important, which those unit economics really do change depending on the size and the goals and the orientation of the company. So kind of take us through that journey. Let's say that I'm a, I'm a startup and I've got product market fit. What should I be measuring for at that stage? What's the key thing I should be thinking about from a new ARR standpoint? Well, once you have new ARR, it's the top line growth. Because if you're a $1 million to $5 million company, the investors are going to be looking at you growing 50 to 80%, right? But if you're a $50 million company, maybe 30% is good. So number one, at that early stage where you're going from product market fit to minimum repeatability and minimum scalability, you're going to want to look at that growth rate. And that growth rate, once again, is going to be dependent upon you know where you're at, but it should be in the first couple of years, minimum 60% to 100%. Okay. And then where does magic, uh, the magic number fit in here, right? That was the measure for years. years. Remember Bessemer's top 10, and it was really about how do we create and metrics that allow us to really measure health of business. Now that was 15, 20 years ago now, right? That was our touchstone, but it's really evolved. But at that time, it was the magic number. Now you're talking about CAC to LTV. So help people understand how does that fit versus CAC to LTV ratio? So, you know, I'm a historian of the cloud business, and I love what Byron Dieter and Bessemer did with their initial 10 laws of being sassy, which came out in 2008 and 2009. But the SAS magic number, to be very specific, was really popularized by a guy named Josh James. And Josh was the founder CEO of Omniture. And what it measured was you took your total revenue growth and you divided that by total sales and marketing expenses. But the revenue growth was both new and existing ARR, and they tried to um, stage it to different quarters. So you looked at your investments for sales and marketing last quarter, and then what your total ARR growth was of current quarter minus last quarter. So that was SaaS magic number. 
It's outdated because you had a 0.75 and they would say, well, then you should increase your amount of investment. But if you have a 0.6, you shouldn't increase your investment. But it, it didn't do two things, Doug. Number one, it didn't look at the efficiency of new name customer ARR growth versus the efficiency of existing customer cross-sell upsell growth. The second thing was the numbers didn't make sense. And the first ratio I use, and now Bessemer actually strongly recommends this, is CAC payback period. And what it measures is how long, measured in months, does it take to pay back the cost of gaining one new name customer? And the critical thing about CAC payback period is they do it on a gross margin adjusted basis. So let's say it costs you $100,000 to gain a new customer and they generate on average $100,000 a year. But that $100,000 a year needs to be multiplied by your gross margin. Your gross margin, let's say it's 80%. So it's really only 80,000. Then you divide the customer acquisition costs by your gross margin adjusted ARR and you get a number like 1.25 with the example I just gave you. You multiply 1.25 by 12 months and there you're going to have a 15-month CAC payback period. So that's a lot of data. Let me stop there and see if I can further explain it. Yeah. So Ray, we've got a lot of marketing people out there used to marketing math. The, the top of their heads just blew off, right? But I think what we're trying to understand is really what are those metrics that you should be paying attention to? We're going to talk later on about trailing versus leading metrics, but ultimately we're talking about trailing metrics that describe unit economics, that describe the health of the business. So for those marketers who top of their heads are blown off, sorry about that, guys. Let's, let's maybe get into some of the other data and details that would help people understand whether the business is growing in healthy ways. So I'm going to, since you're a historian of these metrics, Ray, tell me about the rule of 40 and where that fits for you. And has that become dated as well? So the rule of 40 is you take your percentage growth rate and you add your percentage of EBITDA. And that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And starting 10 years ago, that was the number one metric that investors used to value your company. And if you had a combined score of 40, so let's say your growth rate was 40% and your EBITDA was zero, you hit 40. So that was a good rule of 40. But if you had a growth rate of 60%, but a negative 30%, that was a 30% rule of 40, and that was um, viewed as negative. So that's rule of 40. But what's interesting, Doug, is the impact on enterprise value today of rule of 40 is only the forced, fourth highest metric. And it used to be the number one metric for valuations. So what is it that, you know, it's so funny. I feel like we're having a conversation about the evolution of rock and roll transitioning to rap and grunge, right? It's there's each generation kind of builds on the next generation, if you will, right? And we talked about in the early days, the magic number was really key, but it was not nuanced enough to really help you understand whether the business was performing. We talked about rule 40, which makes sense. At that time, things were really being, we were in a place where a lot of companies had an expectation that you could blow through cash. And that wasn't the case. It became very margin oriented. In other words, you have to grow and actually either produce cash or be break even. So now we're talking about CACT LTV ratios and payback periods, right? Again, allows us to explore and understand more nuances. But for our audience out there today, they're thinking, my gosh, I'm hearing all these metrics. What's really the number one metric you would point to and say, hey, look, this is the thing I would pay attention to. You talked about payback period. 
talked about rule of 40, talked about magic number. Are we really up to date? Is that CAC to LTV ratio the right number and the payback period? Are those the right numbers to recommend to the audience? Yeah. Well, let me talk about that customer lifetime value to CAC ratio, just to make sure the audience, we, we clearly define that because that's even a different metric than what we've been talking about. The customer lifetime value is you look at how much a new customer is going to generate over their life, but that's adjusted by number one, gross margin, and number two, churn rates. So if your average churn per year is 8%, that means very simply the life of that customer is almost, excuse me, 12 years. But if your churn rate is 30%, the life of that customer is only 3.3 years. So you can see why churn rate is so important. So customer lifetime value to CAC ratio simply measures what's the total amount of customer lifetime value divided by your customer acquisition cost. The result is your CAC ratio. The benchmark for five years has been your customer lifetime value should be a minimum of three times what it costs to acquire that customer. Over the last 12 to 24 months, that benchmark of your customer lifetime value should be three times higher than your customer acquisition cost is now 4x. So Ray, look, we've got some interesting options for the audience, right? We've talked about how LTV to CAC ratio really is the most nuanced way of approaching things. So what I understand first is CAC. There's all sorts of different ways to measure CAC. And then final question for you, Ray, is this something that we can apply below the corporate level? Can we get down to the channel level and actually use LTV to CAC ratios to understand whether or not we should or shouldn't be investing in particular campaigns or organizations? Yeah, I'll tell you, Doug, you've invited a data geek to your podcast. So hopefully I don't go into too much detail, but I want to answer both of those questions. The simplest measurement of customer acquisition efficiency is something called PAC ratio. And I haven't shared that yet. And this is a very simple measurement. You take your fully loaded sales and marketing expenses and you divide that by the amount of growth ARR you have in an accounting period. So very simple. Let's say you had a million dollars of fully loaded sales and marketing expenses and you closed $500,000 of new name or expansion ARR, your CAC ratio would be two. It takes $2 of sales and marketing expenses to generate $1 of growth ARR. And that is the simplest way to measure your customer acquisition cost efficiency. And the reason I mentioned this, Doug, is it's the one you want to take down to the next level. Best-in-class B2B SaaS and cloud companies today are measuring their marketing CAC ratio. So what that is, is you take your fully loaded marketing cost and you divide that by the amount of new ARR that's being generated. And you can also do it, take total marketing expenses fully loaded and divide it by new plus expansion ARR. You do the same thing for sales development. You do the same thing for partner or channel sales. And then, Doug, you can even go to the next level. And let's say you have a huge paid media spend. You can then look at the CAC ratio of paid media to AR generated. So it's a cascading set of KPIs from high level sales and marketing 
down to marketing specifically, and then down to program or channel within marketing. Ray, I think we could probably maybe do four or five episodes just on the idea of those trailing indicators, especially when it comes to CAC and MCAC. Great recommendations. And thank you, Ray, for your time. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Ray Reich, Chief Evangelism Officer at RevOps Squared for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Ray and I are going to discuss the difference between leading and lagging revenue indicators. If you can't wait until our next episode or would like to learn more about Ray, you can find a link in his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact Ray on Twitter, where his handle is at Ray Reich. That's at Ray, R-I-K-E, or visit his company website at RevOpsSquare.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com. We have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generated Podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.